The Law Report with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you from tonight's Law Report program. And I'm joined this evening once again by Michael Begram, Practicing Managing Partner of Begram's Attorneys Labour Law Specialists, which obviously means we're speaking about labour law this evening. Michael, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you. It's wonderful being here after spending the weekend in the Cedarburg. Yes, you just thank got you. back. So we're yeah. just lucky you caught up with you as you got back. If you'd like, you can call us now on 0892-10-2010, We do have a number of emails which we'll be taking throughout the show. But if you want to give us a call now, we leave your name and number with my producer and we will call you back as soon as we have got through some of these emails. We'll be taking some calls. The National Energy Regulator, in collaboration with the University of Johannesburg, will host the second South African Economic Regulators Conference from 18 to 19 March 2014 at Birchwood Hotel in Boxburg, Ekurileni. The conference theme is Economic Regulation in Africa. How can economic regulators best facilitate infrastructure expansion? Papers will be presented by a wide range of industry experts and practitioners involved in regulated infrastructure development. Registration is essential. Seats are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis. To register, visit the National Energy Regulators website at nursa.org.za. The Law Report with Karen Key. Just a reminder, you tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. I'm Karen Key, and this is The Law Report. My guest tonight is Michael Begram, an attorney in Cape Town, practicing as Begram's attorneys, labor law specialists, and we're talking about labor law. If you have any questions, you can call us on 0892 10 2010. And as I mentioned earlier, we have a few emails that we need to get through, so we'll start off. And the first one is from James. He posted this on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM, and he says... My commander once instructed me not to come to work due to an alleged threat I made to him, not even directly to him. And he was he was told to stay off work for 40, 44 days. I was never off sick or suspended, but 13,500 rand was deducted from my salary. I'm trying internal resources to get my money back, but it's difficult. I suffered emotionally and financially. I'm married with two kids. Please help. Yes, mostly people do get suspended. It should be a fair suspension. Suspension only comes about after people have had a fair discussion as to why you suspend someone. You can't suspend someone if you don't think they're going to interfere with witnesses or evidence or material of that nature. So this sounds like an unfair suspension in the first place. Secondly, suspension must be on full pay. Um, the only... One, I think, is one of the government services is the police. I think that's the only one where they have got regulated unfair suspension and fair suspension on no pay. Uh, but everyone else has pay. So he has got a claim. But once again, we need to be very careful and keep our eye on the ball that it can't be more than 30 days after this happened. You have to then refer it for a dispute. Um, if he is beyond the 30 days, he's going to have to apply for condemnation. In other words, ask them to condone the late filing of the dispute and then go ahead. But it does sound like this is a good claim. And on the 13,500 <laughs> rand, I'm assuming they just took off his salary, and which they're not allowed to do. You no, say. I mean, okay. that's just plain unfair. That's punishment before they found him guilty. Okay, right. So, James, you need to apply for over 30 days. You need to apply for condemnation and uh, you need to have a hearing, Michael. Does he need to... 
insist upon some sort of a hearing or well yes he should do and uh, the bottom line is they can't keep him indefinitely on suspension he doesn't tell us whether he's still on the suspension no it sounds in the past tense because he said he was put on suspension for a period of 44 days well then it sounds like he's back and that they mm. haven't even bothered to have a disciplinary mm. hearing so but they've still taken off this money the problem is that that constitutes a punishment without finding the man guilty so you can see that it you and i can immediately see without knowing the full background of the case that that's unfair okay Right, James, so don't leave it. Go and investigate this further. Then Maud emailed and she said, I've listened to many programs and I've learned a lot. I'd like to inquire about something. I've been employed for eight months at this place. She doesn't say what it is. The owner of that place always screams and swears at his employees and is always rude. Is there anything a person can do within the law? It's unbearable to work under such circumstances. Yeah, well, what I always recommend to people to do in those circumstances is to get together with others. Because if you're the one that stands out yourself, we always see that that person then gets rounded upon, they get picked on, and everyone makes it very hot in the kitchen and pushes that one person out. So my suggestion to Maud is get together with your colleagues. If he's screaming and shouting, then others are getting the same treatment. If they're all getting the same treatment, then stand together and lodge a complaint. You first raise an internal grievance. Most companies have grievance procedures, and you would complain. And even if you have to complain to the individual that's misbehaving, lodge that complaint. Make sure there's paperwork. Also make sure that you stand behind the anonymity of a group as opposed to the individual. If you still can't get any joy, you can go either to a bargaining council, if they belong to the bargaining council, or to the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. Again, they must complain about a specific instance and make it within the 30 days. So choose the latest one, make it within the 30 days, and try and get others to commit themselves in writing to a petition so that everyone stands together and that you don't find one person being picked on and fired. My suggestion to Maud is do something about it before it gets worse. Okay, right. Thomas emailed. He says, I was suspended on the 17th of December last year. My letter of suspension mentioned nothing about benefits. I only realized at the end of December that I was not paid. And at the end of January, I inquired with the employer and nothing is coming out. That long and there is still no talk of disciplinary hearing. I lodged the matter with the CCMA. I just want to find out about my rights. Furthermore, there are no policies available at the company, let alone... DC processes. Okay, that's the disciplinary processes he's talking about. If there are no policies at the company, then he must go to Schedule 8 of the Labor Relations Act, which you've got on your website. Um, he can access it after the show and get it from uh, SAFM. You as far that? as I know, Thomas has pretty much got all the documents because I think I've sent them to him already. Uh, so. Okay, well, he so must which read one must he look at now? A Schedule 8 of the Labor Relations okay. Act. Okay. And he can, in fact, challenge it, like we spoke earlier on about suspension. It looks like there's a common thread running yes, through the does, emails. A, a lot of people have been suspended. He's still on suspension. And and justice delayed is justice denied. That's a well-known... He says well he wasn't paid, though, while he's been on suspension. Well, he's entitled to get paid, unless okay. he's with the police. And he says that, but he lodged the matter with the CCMA. Well, then he's not with the police, and he's correct. And I presume by now the CCMA would hear it. They're getting quite jacked up at the CCMA. And right across the country, they're hearing cases within 30 days. Wow, that's quite good. So it's it's one of those government departments that needs to get a gold medal. Good. It's nice to hear good news stories. Amochwa, he also emailed, says, Your labor law station teaches us a lot, so everyone knows his or her rights at the workplace. I've got a problem. 
PSA Union said my grievance is in the CCMA, but one is holding that case. Said case is postponed from arbitration, but till then no written info has been received. The case of last year against the employee who, employer who did not consult us, forcing us to work with carers, but we are nurses. And he, then he carries on, another email came and he says, how long will a case be in arbitration? How long does it take? Because the union said they can take my complaint and then there's no feedback and it's been about two years now. What can I do to push that union? And then he says, do you know any lawyers who attend cases in the CCMA? So if the union fails, I can take those lawyers to fight cases for us. Yeah, look, all lawyers who are practicing labor lawyers can go and fight cases. There's certain cases they're not allowed to appear at the CCMA, which is the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation, and Arbitration. It sounds like he's been messed around by his union, never mind his employer, because he's talking about two years. Yeah, now, the union said his grievance was with the CCMA. Um, the case has been postponed, he says, but till then there's been no information, and it's, it sounds like it's been two years now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, that's impossible. It looks like the union's messed it up. They haven't sent in the paperwork. It won't be the CCMA having done that at all. The bottom line is he's got to have a fight with his union, and the only way he's going to be able to do that is to go and speak to an attorney in, in wherever he is. I don't know where he is, um, but to go and, and find and a labor lawyer. Yeah, he should find a labor lawyer and have a go at his union because they've messed up. There's no way the CCMA would have taken that long. It doesn't happen. Okay, as you just said, they're not they very are, jacked up now. And even so. when they were quite tardy with their right in the beginning and they were tardy with their disputes, it was three, four, maybe five months, but never that long. Never that long. Okay. Right, Webster, got a very nice email. He's got a question, but before we get to his question, he says, I really like this. He says, I cannot wait to tune into the show. Your shows always leave me more enlightened and have turned me into an activist of some sort. Since I started listening to your shows, I've managed to help a lot of my colleagues and our workplace is no longer the same. Thank you very much for the good work. He says, I always listen to the show on labor law and I find it very empowering. Then he says, I was wondering if you could help me with the above referenced matter, which is on accumulated leave days. I'm a facilitator in an FET college, and I found from my experience in this sector that the standard practice is that you're given a fixed-term contract for 10 months. The contract starts in February, ending in November. My problem is that I've never been paid for accumulated leave days that I would not have utilized during the year. I've approached the Department of Labor to clarify my legal position on accumulated leave days that are not paid out when the contract expires, and it seems they blame me for not taking the annual leave during the course of my employment. The impression is that I would be after my employer's money. According to the Department of Labor, one is entitled to annual leave after a 12-month cycle. Given that my contract would be for 10 months, I am not therefore entitled to annual leave. Could you therefore ask Michael what my position is as far as accumulated leave days are concerned because I've just started another 10-month fixed-term contract? Okay, that, that's not correct. The department uh, have given him the wrong advice. I'm not sure who gave him the advice over there. My suggestion to him is to go to the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, it's Act 75 of 1997, have a look at the chapter on leave, it's uh, chapter 19 to 27, um, and it does apply to all employees, um, obviously those that work less than 24 hours a month don't, don't get it, otherwise everyone gets annual leave. Annual leave is calculated on 21 consecutive days annual leave on full remuneration in respect of each annual leave cycle, or it would be seven, one day's annual leave 
on full remuneration for every 17 days worked. So even if you work for three months, you do accumulate a certain amount of leave, and you can work out the sums. So he's entitled to his leave. He should actually be taking his leave at each leave cycle. Um, the Act is quite clear that you must take your leave. You can't get paid out for your leave. So basically he's, he's saying that he's not getting paid for these accumulated leave days, which he's not taking because he's only working for 10 months at a time. Yes, but he so must get it and he must get paid out if they owe it to him and he hasn't been able to take it. Um, normally what happens is if they haven't been able to give you the leave, then you get paid out for leave. However, um, he's got a bigger problem. He can't keep getting his contract renewed every 10 months and then get a next year, get 10 months again. I personally think that he's a permanent employee and he should be taking his leave every cycle, every single year. As an annual cycle, he should be taking his leave. But he must challenge the fact that they can't just give him 10-month contracts. Uh, that's not right, and the FET colleges are not doing the right thing in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act or the Labor Relations Act. And in fact, when we get our amendments to the law, which are coming in, in the next few three or four months, those amendments will outlaw this practice entirely, what they're doing. Um, they're just renewing contracts and making it look like they contract employees and avoiding permanency. And what they're probably doing is they're avoiding a medical aid, pension, and all the other perks that go with permanent employees. And it's not right. And the government themselves are doing it when they're saying the private sector are abusing that process and therefore trying to outlaw it. So my, my comment to him is he needs to challenge it. He should go speak to his union and get the union, because he is a member of the union, um, working for the department. He is a, he's a member of the union. By default, they are anyway. And he should take up this, this fight immediately. So there's a bigger fight than just the leave. Obviously, the leave is irking him. And it's the contract thing yeah, as well. Correct. But now there's this leave that he hasn't taken now. and They're He saying should be able to get paid out. He's accumulated it. and you'll see Even it though he hasn't taken it within the annual leave cycle correct. thing? Yes. Okay. All right. Webster, I hope that answers your question. Good luck to you in your fight. Well, let's just uh, take one call quickly before we go to any more of the emails. Enoch in Cape Town. Good evening. Good evening, Karen. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right. Hi, Michael. Hi, Enoch. Thanks for coming uh, on air. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, I've got a problem, man. I'm working uh, here in Western Cape uh, on a company that is uh, in uh, the brick-making business. Uh, uh, I, I, in 2009, I had an accident. I broke uh, my my leg at work. Now, uh, I was out for six months. The past three months, uh, they paid me. The fourth month, uh, they stopped my salary. Then um, I had to ask because I was at home. I couldn't do anything. Then they later paid me the next three months, up to six months. Then I started working uh, one month, 20, after, yes, just after six months. Now the problem is 27, uh, I mean 2011, after two years of my injury, um, uh, <coughs> the doctor closed the case. He said uh, he has to close the case, uh, but need another operation to lock the angle because he said I lost my cartridge, uh, cartilage on the on the the, this, the, the angle there. Now, um, then after I closed the case, after one year, 2012, I went to him complaining about severe pain in my my leg. Then he said he's gonna he take some X-ray. He did X-ray. 
and he said an agent limit uh, operation. But he said he's going to write the conversation commissioner for permission to reopen the case. Now, since then, uh, I'm, I, nothing is happening. When I call him, he's telling me that he's waiting for the commissioner to, 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 to give him the go-ahead. Now, last, last week, last month, I checked on the website of the Department of Labor with my claim number there. It's saying my, my records are not there. So I'm wondering whether, because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the, 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 how, the, whether the company is doing uh, the, the right thing or I don't know my, 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 my status now. I cannot even plan. So I don't know if you can assist me. Okay, so basically there's no record of your claim. Michael, well, this is workman's compensation. Yeah, well, it's workman's compensation. So, Enoch, you need to go into the workman's compensation itself. You need to go into the office here in the Western Cape and okay. actually get hold of an inspector, ask them to investigate it properly to see if there was an initial complaint from the company, if they put in the forms. If they didn't, they have to. the inspector has to go and make them do that because it's wrong what they've done. Uh, and I you went, are entitled uh, to be registered. I, I went to, to a local office in Belleville there. They were the lady on the front desk. He dismissed me saying we, there is nothing we can do. We have to wait until the Pretoria. Uh, so I don't know whether I should maybe go to Cape Town straight or maybe, I don't know. Where did you go to the Department of Labor or work, where did you go to? The Workman's Compensation Offices in Belleville. And mm. I, I must tell you, I would rather go into the head office here in Cape Town at the Department of Labor and find out what's going on. Take oh. take in all your papers and get an inspector to investigate it. It's no good the front desk just chasing you away. Don't, okay. don't, don't listen to them. Go into the head office. Uh, you okay. are entitled and they have to reopen. It was an injury on duty and you have a right to have that operation. Yes. Now, okay. another thing I want to uh, to understand, it's like I need, I now need to, to, to move on, like uh, I'm from, from Zimbabwe, I'm not, uh, I'm working here. Uh, now, I, I, I need to go to college. Can I, is it legal to get, for me to apply for a leave, start leave from the work, while I'm waiting for that uh, operation, because I don't know, maybe it's gonna take two years, or it's not gonna even happen. Well, it's so just waiting for something that I'm not sure is going, yeah, is going to happen. Or well, you can certainly apply for leave. I'm not sure if they're going to give it to you, but you are, it is legal to apply for the leave. And you should explain that you, you want to have the leave because you want to study. Yeah. Um, but that's up to them as well. They have, it's according to their operational requirements. They don't have to give the leave. Okay. Okay. All right, thank okay, you. Enoch, thank thanks you. very much thank, for getting through. Good night. Thank you, Enoch. Good night to you. Bye bye. Um, we've got Anthony in the Eastern Cape. We're coming to you in a moment, but I just want to get through one more email. It's from, well, this was actually a post on the Facebook page from Irvin. He says, The company that I was working for gave the new company my file. They told me they won't hire me if I take my service money of six years. So it's been a year now working for this new company. And I'd like to know is it possible to claim six years' money and leave, leave the work? leave their work because after a year they tr they've been treating me very badly they're looking for me to leave We're working without a contract since they told me they are going to draft it and until now I'm working without a contract what can I do to get my money of six years service and UIF I'm not quite sure it sounds very complicated there Michael do you understand what's going on there yes I do it, it sounds like the old company he was working for was taken over by a new company or they transferred the operation to a new operation 
In terms of Section 197 of the Labor Relations Act, the new company takes over the, all the terms and conditions of the employment. He can't just come forward now and claim his six years. Um, he wasn't retrenched at the time. His previous service is recognized by the new company by law. Because he said they, they said the new company said they wouldn't hire him if he took his service money of six years. Well, the service money was the the severance payment. Oh, okay. They obviously what they did do is saying that people refused to come over could access their severance payment. Those that came over didn't get severance payment, obviously, because they, didn't because lose they weren't their severed. Job. Yeah. Mm. So he can't just out of the blue now, because he's unhappy with them after a year's service saying, I now want to take seven years' worth of service and, and go, you can't have your cake and eat it. That's that's the bottom line over here. So, no, he can't do that, and he can't claim his UIF only if they actually dismiss him for some reason, either either operational requirements, retrenchments, or he's been naughty. Then he could claim the the UIF, but not before that. But he is saying that he's been working without a contract now for a year, and they've been kept saying they were going to draft it, and they well, still haven't he, done that. He has got a contract because he's still got the contract from the old company, which has taken over uh, in full. Obviously, new companies do try and put in their new contracts to reflect the new employer, but they don't have to do that because you're taken over on the same terms and conditions of employment. It doesn't make your employment any the less because you don't have a new contract. So, Irvin, I'm sorry, it's not that good news for you, unfortunately, as far as the money is concerned, but at least you know that your contract is still in play from when you had it at the previous company. Right, Anthony in the Eastern Cape, good evening to you. Good evening, ma'am, and thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure. How can we help you, Anthony? Ma'am, I'd just like to know whether the gentleman could kindly shed some light on this notorious uh, process ongoing in the SAPS. Which? The boarding process whereby which members are dismissed uh, on the grounds of previous uh, criminal convictions, even so far as 20 to 30 years ago, even in the midst of have them having faced their charges and being sentenced and so forth. How sound could such a process be and what would the effects be on a person's pension if you, must, if you will uh, eventually be dismissed? Okay, there, there are a couple of issues that arise out of it. Um, one, the South African police services shouldn't be employing people who have previous convictions, criminal convictions. That's one of the terms and conditions. And unfortunately, they did take on a whole lot of people who did have uh, previous criminal records. Um, and now they're starting to investigate and finding that they got a lot of people. Um, they can't just dismiss you immediately. There should be a process that has gone through. Um, it's, it's not, it's, it is something that we see normally happens with the SAPS. In fact, they're now starting to investigate it more fully. There's not much we can do about it because those are their terms and conditions of employment. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay, Anthony. Thanks, Thanks for getting thank through. You. Good night to you. Right, Lazarus in Gauteng, good evening. Uh, good evening, Karen. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Good, great, nice okay. to hear you. How can we help you, Lazarus? Uh, look, uh, Karen, I, I worked for Department of Education before I was a teacher, and I was transferred. Uh, I applied for a job in Department of Transport. It was a permanent position, and I joined uh, the office of the MEC on contract basis. It was a fifth term. Ending 2009. In fact, it was 
it was tied to his term of office. And before he could move, uh, it was a prayer from 2009. Before it could end, I was transferred inside the department. He went to the Department of Community Safety, that's in Gauteng. And uh, I was given option to choose a unit. I chose a unit. And uh, I've been on contract since 2000 and since then. And uh, late last year, for me, it was uh, they wanted to get a reason to get rid of the contract. And I was charged. Uh, I had a damaged vehicle, damaged the charge, and we appealed the appeal authorities, the MEC, who overturned the decision and said I must move from the unit that I was at to another unit since ACAS has not been paid up to now. And uh, and uh, we went uh, to, through arbitration on the 4th of uh, last, last month, that's February, 14th of February. They disputed that they should, I couldn't be hired on the terms, different terms, because the letter of the MEC was not specific. So in the process, I've lost a job, I've divorced, and uh, uh, my, my life is a mess, a house. I'm not getting paid as up to now. Okay, th- thank you, Lazarus. The, the bottom line is you won your arbitration, you were reinstated, and they told you that you can't be employed on a fixed-term contract. Am I understanding you correctly? No, I don't know. They're saying uh, the letter of the MEC doesn't specify that they should change my contract. Like uh, the head of department says, they can't change my contract. And they are refusing to, to, to pay the damages that I'm claiming. Because so they were one of the, uh, our, our demands, I was represented by Nehau. One of our demands was that my damages uh, should then be calculated and I must be paid my bank accounts, everything. I'm in areas specific. Because I was not paid. So I've been going to work daily and I'm not getting paid. Okay, well, you're entitled to your payment. And you must get in the hallway to go back to the arbitrator. And if you got the arbitration award in writing, you can have that award made in order of the Labor Court. And a, a deputy sheriff can actually execute on that award. Once it's made in order of the Labor Court, there shouldn't be a problem. You can't, through the Labor Court and the CCMA, go and claim for your civil damages. Um, that you can't do for the lost house and the broken marriage um, and the fact that your name was blacklisted by the creditors. Yeah. You can't do any of that. Um, uh-huh. You have to go to a civil court and there you would have to get hold of a commercial lawyer who would then take that up for you. Um, I'm not so sure that's going to be successful. Um, uh-huh. I, those are notoriously bad claims to try and pursue. Uh, my feeling is at least get your salary. Get all the back salary that you owed. Get that. Pursue that, and as quickly as possible, because it's it's already. I mean, that was that was around about April 2013 where you won the bill. Um, yeah. my, my suggestion is that we must move quickly because it's now, you know, almost April 2014. So you know, we, we've had a year. Uh, uh, okay. Now you see the arbitration, Graham. Uh, okay. Well, was on the on last month, as I say, on the on the fourteenth, that oh, the award was saying I must be paid within five days. Even February two thousand and fourteen. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Last so, month. Oh well, then you must pursue it. Get you've won it. Get the get it ordered with the order made and an order of the labor court. 
and then send the deputy sheriff. Tell Nahawu to move quickly on it. You've got to be on their back because they've got so many members of what hundreds of clams. Uh, sometimes they forget to do these things. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. so you must push hard so with Nahawu, not with the your employer. It doesn't normally work for the civil damages. I, I wouldn't pursue that. I would make sure you get your salary. That's that's in your hands almost. So get out and, of that. And the conditions of service, I, I still contract. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't pursue that. As well. Yes, you can. You can pursue the fixed term contract, and and uh, make sure it gets made permanent. If if they refuse that, then what what avenues do I have? Well, again, you can go to the CCMA and do that through Nahawu again. They're entitled to do that. I'm entitled to do that. Yes, absolutely. No, thanks. Thanks for Thank Thanks, Lazarus. Thanks. Good luck to you. No, thanks. Thanks. No, thanks. thanks. Pleasure. Bye-bye now. Dan in Cape Town, we're coming to you in a moment, but one more email says, I need some advice. I work from 6 in the evening to 6 in the morning. Yesterday I had a problem. I'm a security officer. Apparently at about 11 o'clock on this particular evening, somebody who was supposed to be on duty at one or other of these posts didn't pitch up. There was nowhere to be found. There was a shortage of people, so they came to this person who sent the email and said that he should go and, and replace the person that they couldn't find. When our listener here says, when I told them I was already on duty, they cancelled my shift and charged me, but the person who was late was given a full shift, but he was late. Now, that's unfair labour practice. Where can I lodge a complaint besides the management? Well, he can, in fact, go to the bargaining council he can go to the authorities in the uh, security industry, CIRA, um, can be, and it sounds very unfair because they're trying to make him work more than the 12-hour shift. Um, it, it's not right, and he must lodge that complaint. Now, this was in the middle of his shift. Yeah, but he's, And he was uh, supposed to go and stand in for someone who had to I understand that, up. and he can lodge that complaint. Mm. He has to do that. Okay, so he can do that. Because they're just now cancelling that shift and putting him now on a full shift, so it'll be beyond the 12 hours. And they didn't pay him now. And they didn't pay him. Mm. So he's entitled to lodge that complaint, and he should do that as quickly as possible. With the? And not wait. Well, there are a couple of areas he can go to the CCMA itself. He could go to CIRA, the Security Industries Regulatory Authority, and complain there as well. I would suggest that he goes to his trade union. They're all members of trade unions, um, especially in this industry, the trade unions are very active, and I wouldn't leave this around just to say, oh, I can write it off as bad news, um, because it's going to happen again mm. if that's the way they're doing it. Right. Dan in Cape Town, good evening. Hi, good evening. Uh, thank you very much for taking my call. It's a um, pleasure. Hi, Malcolm. Um, hi. Uh, Michael. Michael. Hi. Um, I've just got a question. I work like a normal 45-hour week. Uh, that includes my lunch break. Uh, on Saturday, um, okay, uh, without telling you what industry we are in, I am in, but basically, uh, you handle calls, in, you handle calls, taking calls and dispatch drivers. Now, the shifts are 24-hour shifts, okay, but we only get remunerated from uh, eight till five at one and a half, like on Saturdays at one and a half, our, our one and a half times our only rate. Um, although we answering the phone right through the night till the next morning off past eight, and so on, it goes on. The next person takes a shift, uh, but you're working from home, 
um, but you're still answering the calls and etc. But is 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 now with regards to the law and what it says about labour uh, over time is is that right? And also, let's just get clarification on the uh, law on on, on um, public holidays. Um, if it falls on Monday to Friday, does one get remunerated, remunerated one and a half? or just an hourly rate. Okay, let me, let me explain. Overtime again is regulated by Chapter 2 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act. Normal overtime is paid at one and a half times the normal rate. Uh, and it says in terms of um, Chapter 2, Section 10.2, um, it reads, an employer must pay an employee at least one and one half times the employee's wage for overtime worked. Now that's not correct in terms of a public holiday where you get double your your rate if you okay. actually work. If you don't work on the public holiday, you still got to be paid for that day. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't yeah. matter when when it is. If you're working on a Saturday, or if yeah. you're working on a Monday, if it's a public holiday and you actually work on that public holiday, it must be double. Okay. Okay. Uh, because our our uh, uh, manager says that it is that one is already built into our monthly salary, and he just pays us half. Is that right? No. No. No, that's not correct. Okay. He must All pay right. you the double for the public holiday. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And like Saturday, like I explained to you on Saturdays, without remuneration, that we, you know, the phone calls. Answer right well, you, you're entitled to be paid. If you're on duty, you must be paid. And if it's beyond your 45-hour week, then you must be paid your one and a half. It makes no, There's no magic okay. to a Saturday. Okay, don't be. Okay, okay. No. all right. So, so, so what, what, well, we don't have a union. What would we, can we log a, a, a complaint at the bargaining council? Or if you belong uh, to a bargaining council, if the company falls under a bargaining council, then you yeah. lodge it at the bargaining council. If it doesn't, okay. Then there's the default position, which is the CCMA, which is the Commission yeah. for Conciliation, Mediation, and Arbitration. Okay. They will take those complaints because it's an unfair labour practice. Okay. All right. I appreciate your, your help. Thank you very much. No, for an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Good Dan. Luck. Good luck to you. Thanks. Good night. Bye-bye. Liu in Durban, we're coming to you next, but the last of our emails here for the evening, it's from Jabu. He says... I work for the Department of Health, and on the bottom of our pay slip, they wrote a message which says, by the end of June this year, we should have taken leave for the previous cycle or else those leave days will be forfeited. My question is, what do I do in a situation where we are severely understaffed, as some colleagues went to college, and the manager says we cannot go on leave until they return in July, by which time my leave days from the previous cycle would have expired? What is the recourse? Yeah, that's a common problem, and we're hearing that on a regular basis. You must take that leave, and if they refuse to allow you, escalate it into a grievance, but quickly. And also what you can do is you can take it then on to the CCMA or Bargaining Council, but you can't leave it because you will lose that leave. And if the manager is just nagging you not to do it, and he can tell you that he might pay you out or he might give it to you some other time, don't take that risk. You're going to lose those days. We have a lot of people crying about this. In my office at Bagram's Attorneys, we get calls daily about people who have lost their leave and their manager had refused to give them leave during their cycle. Don't take that risk. 
Right, Jobby, I hope that helps you. Right, Lou in Durban, good evening. Uh, good evening, uh, guys. How are you? Very well. How are you? I'm not too bad. I just want to ask you a question. I work in Richard's Bay. I hurt my back, I think, about 2011. Uh, actually, at the Nsanga Hospital and all that. And then 2009, I got retrenched. And then uh, I was unemployed until, I think, about 2011. They reinstated me, but in Pine Town. And I hurt my back in 2011. Now, I want to know, now I got trenched last year, 25th of November. Now, I want to know what happens now with my back injury, because I'm getting chronic pains and all that. I went to the Department of the Labor. They said to me, now, I'm going to go to the hospital I went to and pay for it to open the case. So I'm actually, because I'm still suffering with big chronic back pain. Now, what do I do? How do I do it? What do I, who do I go to? Well, the only way you can do this is get, get hold of the Workman's Compensation Commissioner, uh, see if a claim was lodged. I'm sure it was at the time. Get mm. hold of your file and then see what they can do internally. Mm. It has to be done through the Workman's Compensation Commissioner. It's the only way you're going to be able to do it. There is no liability on your employer once they have registered you with the Department of Labor through the Commissioner. Uh, okay. So I went to the Department of Labor. They said I'm going to go to the hospital and open the file and then uh, actually open the case again. And they can open the case and I'm going to go to my, my uh, ex-employee get my file out. Correct. And then... Oh, okay. You must do that. Yeah, I can. I can. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lou. Good night, you. Bye. 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 Now, right off to Sabalala in Pudate Chaba in the Free State. Good evening. Hello, man. Hello. How are you? It's okay. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How can we help you this evening? Oh yes, uh, my my complaint was being attended there in uh, SASM. Uh, I am just uh, doing follow-up. Uh, I, I, I heard uh, you, you said uh, my, my, my case, I, I must get to labor law attorney. The question I, I want to ask, uh, why can I get a uh, labor law attorney so that I can uh, give that law attorney my, my story so that I can challenge this problem? Right, you're in the free My case... Uh, Union said my case is gone to arbitration. It's plus or minus two years now. Uh, you have to sue the union, and of course, at the end of the day, you do need to get a hold of an attorney to sue the union. It's not against your employer more anymore. Looks like the union's messed up, um, and you're in the free state. Is that mm. correct? Yes, uh, and then, and then, what you need to do is get hold of the law society there, and they will allot someone through to you. Or you could go down to the labor court um, and try and find out if they've got attorneys on a roster who help out on a regular basis. Um, they do help out people. But my, my first port of call would be to phone your local law society. Well, Johannes, it's, it's Johannes, is it? Okay, Johannes, well, I've got I've got your email address. What I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to send you the contact details for the Law Society in the Free State and how who you can contact there, okay? And then you can get hold of them yourself. Okay, okay, ma'am, okay, ma'am. Okay, okay, so I've got your email address. I'll email you tomorrow morning. Thanks very much, ma'am. Okay, yeah. Johannes, have a good night. Bye-bye. Yeah. Right, off to, gosh, we're all over the country tonight. We're um, off to Daniel Scale in the Northern Cape. Morgan, good evening. Uh, good evening, how are you? Fine, and you? I'm okay. 
How can we help? I would like to understand, can you pursue an employee based on the court outcome? The scenario here is, are you having an employee who took the vehicle of the employer without authorization, got involved in an accident, no charges were pressed from the employer perspective within a period of 90 days, but he was then found guilty at the court. Can I pursue that employee? You certainly can, especially if he was found guilty of reckless driving or something of that nature. You would have to have a disciplinary hearing, and if found guilty at the disciplinary hearing, that could lead to dismissal. Okay. Okay, but you must do that then. You have to have a proper disciplinary hearing. Okay. Thank you very much. Morgan, when when did this happen, Morgan? This happened around last year in June. when I started working as an accounting officer, I then found the matter not having been dealt with in uh, uh, a reasonable time. Um, well, I asked was, is it too late, Michael? What it, is? It's not normally because it depends when he was found guilty at the criminal case, and they right. could then then they could pursue it. When was he found guilty, Morgan? Do you know? Yes, about around last month. Last uh, month, three, three weeks ago. Oh, okay. okay. Well, then well, you're then, in time. Then you, then you are in time to pursue it. Okay. Just don't leave it. Michael always says you need to deal with these things rapidly. Don't ever leave okay. these things because everybody runs yeah. out of time, unfortunately. So don't yeah. leave it. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay, Good Morgan. Luck, Morgan. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, okay. Thanks for getting Thank through. Bye bye now. Right off to Middleburg, Nelly. Good evening. Evening. How are you, Karen? Fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank nice you. Nice to have a lady on the show. We have all <laughs> yes. men and gentlemen this evening. Nice to have a, a, a nice female voice for a change. How can we help you? Yes, um, I'm just, um, I did send an email to you and spoke to Michael as well regarding my brother was involved in an accident and he was disabled and later retrenched. But then Mike advised me that it was too late already because he was retrenched in November and he did not take the matter to the CCMA. But what we've discovered, Mike, is that um, out of the seven people that were retrenched with my brother, the rest of them have been returned to work. Only my brother was not called in. Of which it definitely shows that the company, they actually wanted to retrench him, but they never wanted to to it to show, yes. And when did they go back to work? They went back in January. Okay, there might be some hope then for him to pursue it. My suggestion is that he joins a trade union as quickly as possible and that the trade union investigate as to what's taken place, why were the others taken back. Did they actually challenge and his name wasn't on the list? Uh, That might have been the one issue. Or they might have decided to take certain people back unfairly and leave him off the list. I think think he must pursue that because now now we've got some time because this... This is a new issue that they've taken people back and they could he can argue that they unfairly have not taken him back and you can take it from the date when they return to work. Uh, already they've, you've how many months now is that? How long were they retrenched before they took no, them no, back? No, no, it's not this. Oh, not when that. did they come back? What date did they come back? Um, they came back around the 15th of Jan. Okay, well we're now running out of time again. Because, uh, mm-hmm. again, you've got three months to challenge it. So I would suggest that you get hold of a trade union tomorrow. Okay. And let him join. He can post facto join a trade union, and he can use that date as the cutoff date. 
All right. Because when we inquired with the company, what they said actually was that the reason he was not called back is because they don't have uh, admin positions currently, of which we can understand because his responsibility was not to go to their site. He was doing admin and he was situated in the office. Okay, but obviously that you need to investigate that and he needs to check that they didn't take someone else back in admin or if they've employed new people. Because okay. often that, that is a catalyst. Once they've taken someone back, then you use that date as the catalyst. All right. Thank okay. you for the advice, Mike. So don't leave it, Nelly. Again, Michael always says to get on it right away. Tomorrow, he says. Tomorrow, please. <laughs> I'll make sure that tomorrow he does it. Okay, thank Thanks, you. Nelly. Thanks for okay. getting through. Good night. Thank to you. you very much for the opportunity. Good night. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Patrick in Rustenburg. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thank you, Karen. Um, I have got a situation. I joined the company last year in August. I was introduced to this company as an HDI partner, but then we uh, we agreed, or we <clears throat> then entered into an employment contract. Right. Uh, what I would like to know is that if I do have a dispute regarding this employment contract, which institution do I have to, to approach? Would it be appropriate for me to approach the CCMA or would this be a civil matter or something? No, because it sounds like you are an employee and you obviously you get a salary every month and they take off PAYE, workman's compensation, UIF. Um, do you get a pay slip every month? Yeah, I do. Then it's appropriate to go to the CCMA. You are an employee. Okay. And you can lodge your complaint. If you've got a complaint about a particular issue, remember, 30 days, you must lodge your complaint within the 30 days. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very okay, much. Okay, Patrick. Yeah. Thanks for getting through. Good night to you. Our very last email for this, this evening was from Pauline, and she says, I was dismissed from a bank, I'm not going to mention the name of the bank, last year in October for not performing my task within my job description, but I felt I was robbed, and they took advantage of me and used the opportunity to dismiss me. To cut it short, I was on PAP, which is performance acceleration, for five months with no improvement, and every week we had to meet with my line manager to see if my task that was given for the previous week was completed with no guidance or training provided from my line manager. The process was prolonged for, I'm sorry, this has got no punctuation. I'm really battling to read it. The process was prolonged for months with no luck of, of me improving until I was dismissed. Within the process, there were meetings held with the HRBPER consultant because my line manager felt there was nothing she could do to assist me as she had done all she could to assist with the process. And they then agreed they agreed with her that during that time I was not told to come along with my representative for support until the last meeting of my dismissal, which it was pointless then because I just came back from leave a week after the date was given for the final discussion, only to find out that the SASBO consultants were booked for that week to represent me, and apparently the email was sent to my line manager to postpone the meeting and ignore that. I'm not sure what that is. Mm. We tried to preview the case, but I was told I was late for that. It was supposed to be done before the dismissal. We processed the case through the CCMA and were given the date to reconcile with the bank, but it wasn't resolved, and they gave us the settlement form to complete for the next meeting, but I felt it's taking very long for the bank to respond, and I'm still waiting for the bank to respond. Now, sorry about all of that, but there was absolutely no punctuation, and it was quite difficult to read it without that. But it just sounds like she wasn't performing. They then dismissed her. She 
they tried to help her with the line manager was trying to help her still wasn't getting anywhere and then they there was some sort of a meeting that she was not informed of or she was informed too late okay it, it does sound like she's represented by the union sasbo which is an effective and a professional union they don't normally uh, make mistakes of that nature and it also sounds like they couldn't settle it at the conciliation um, she said they tried over there I'm not sure if the matter's been referred to arbitration subsequently because it gets a bit garbled at that point. Mm. But if it hasn't been, then she's got to put pressure on SASBO to refer it to arbitration as quickly as possible. They have to also do it then within the 90 days after the conciliation has been heard. She must go back to the union, SASBO, and ask them to activate it as quickly as possible. Yeah, there was something here about the date for the meeting. Um, apparently turned out all the SASBO consultants were booked for that week. And she didn't seem to get the notice in time, and they seem to have proceeded with the case without her having had any representation. Is what it sounds like. Okay. Well, we don't know what whether that was at the conciliation mm. or the arbitration. I suspect it was at the conciliation because she said it wasn't settled. Yeah, she's still waiting for the bank waiting, to so. respond. She says. Okay. Well, then that she must get back to Sasbo as quickly as possible. If Sasbo, in fact, missed her arbitration. And it was dismissed because of that. She's got a claim against Sasbo, against the union. And then my suggestion is she gets hold of an attorney and sues Sasbo, who don't seem to have then worried about the date. So the real issue is if it was a conciliation that was missed and she was there alone, that's not a problem. Then she must get them to activate the arbitration. If it was an arbitration that she missed, that's the end of her case, then she's got a claim against Sasbo. Now, we've mentioned this is not the first time this evening that you've mentioned the unions and people suing the unions. This Is this a regular thing? I mean, is this something that happens quite a lot? It happens often, and we're starting to see people coming forward and actually suing the unions, and we've seen quite a few successful cases coming out where people do sue the unions and they are successful. At that point, you do need an attorney. It's very difficult to do it to yourself. Don't go that alone. There are attorneys that are willing to help in the various regions on cases of that nature. Is it difficult? It is, because the union will defend it, mm. and they'll get their attorneys, and they'll say they've done nothing wrong. You need to get all your paperwork together, and you need to show that you weren't informed of the date of the arbitration, and it went ahead without you, and it's been thrown out. You can get that paperwork, but my suggestion is that you get an attorney to do that, because of the various legal issues that arise out of a claim against the union. It's a civil claim. I mean, earlier, the one we were talking about earlier was a case where it seems like the union just hasn't done anything with the case. It's been two years and the case hadn't been Correct. resolved. And that's a whole different side of it. But it's, again, something you can take up with the union. But then you would need to get yourself a lawyer. I think so. And I think then there's a big claim because you could show that your case had merits, that there was some value to your case, and you can show how much it was worth and because of the union not doing their homework, they then pursue it. We've just recently seen a case where the judges came down hard on the union and they made them pay damages to their members who were the ex-employees, saying that they would have won the case but for the union. And if that's the case, then you've got a good claim against the union. You need to understand, and everyone needs to understand, that you join a union for one specific purpose, and that's for protection. If they don't actually give you the protection and they're supposed to be the experts, if they don't give it to you or if they're too lazy or just reckless in not doing it, then they attract liabilities against themselves. 
It's the same that you would have with an attorney. If you go to an attorney and say, I need you to lodge a claim, and he forgets to do it, that's when you lodge a claim against the attorney. You can't blame your employer in those circumstances because they're hiding behind the law. The law says you've got to do it in a certain amount of time. If you don't do it in a certain amount of time, that's your problem. And invariably, you can't come to the courts and say, well, my lawyer didn't do it, or my attorney didn't do it, so, or my union didn't do it, so hear me anyway. The courts will say, no, go against your representative, rather. And in South Africa today, we're finding that many of the unions are being very tardy about actually prosecuting claims. Um, and, and we're seeing more and more of this in, in, on a regular basis. Um, and in fact, the courts are coming down very hard on the trade unions. So if you have a case, whatever it might be, um, don't just hand it over to the union and let it lie and, and expect them to do it. How often should we be following this up? I mean, we I should would do it weekly. Weekly. Okay. I would do it weekly and, and actually go, go into the offices, phone them, email them, make sure you've got records that you pursued them. Make sure that they're on top of it, because invariably, and especially if it's a one-person case, invariably unions aren't that excited about it. If it's a whole group, they feel better about it and they do something about it. Personally, if it was me, I would weekly find out who's handling my case, what's the current status of my file, what's actually happening, ask for proof that they have lodged things, pursue it. You have an obligation, it's your case, pursue it. So don't hand it over and forget about it. it you, if you're wanting a good result out of that, whatever the case might be, keep yes, on it. I call it the irritation factor, where they will just yeah. do it to get rid of you because they think, if that person phones me once more, I'm going to scream. So yeah. rather get to that point where they will just do it to get rid of you, but rather let them do it. Absolutely. Well, my thanks once again this evening, as always, to Michael Bagram. He's the Practicing Managing Partner at Bagram's Attorneys, Labor Law Specialists here in Cape Town, and he's been my guest on tonight's edition of the Law Report Program. Michael, thank you once again very much indeed. I'm uh, sorry we cut your Cedarburg hike short, but I'm very grateful you made it in time to be with us tonight. No, we'll have to apologize to Louis and Gerald who came <laughs> with me, but we, we came back in time and we were very happy to be back in Cape Town. It's been wonderful weather here, and thank you for the program. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Well, I'm sure the listeners are all very grateful that you made it back in time, as am I. Thank you very much. And Michael will be back with us again on Monday, the 7th of April. And remember, there's a list of available documents on the Facebook page, Law on SAFM. I know they're a little bit far down the page. Just look, they are there. I will be updating them shortly. But if you'd like any of them, post a message on Facebook. But please remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Or you can email me on law at SAFM. .co.za and if you just like the list to be sent to you by email just ask for that on the email and I'll send it to you The Law Report is on the air on SAFM every Monday evening between 9 and 10 and if you'd like to contact me as I mentioned earlier the email is law at SAFM.co.za and Facebook is Law on SAFM In next week's programme being the second Monday of the month we'll once again be joined by Attorney Nicolene Schumann lowe for our General Law Clinic That's The Law Report next Monday the 10th of March and I'll be back with you again tomorrow evening just after 9 with the Disability Report so join me then well, Stephen Kirk is up now with some nighttime music. Hello, Stephen.